so um, when it came to me, uh, Savvy was not here. I think he, he wasn't here in the first either. But uh, I kind of spoke about Savio. You know, when he preaches, he comes up on stage and he says, uh, um, he says, I forgot what I'm supposed to be preaching on. Savio, Savio comes up every time he's supposed to be preaching. He can buy hard chapters of scripture, but when he comes up, he forgets what he's supposed to be preaching on. And uh, for me, I feel like I want to forget what, that I'm supposed to be preaching today. So... It's often that case when I'm, it's like two months in advance, I can, you, we come to know that we're going to be sharing and I kind of wait, uh, hoping that something might change or someone, a guest speaker might come in. It, happens, it happened once before, there was a guest speaker who came and then Amit told me I'm not preaching, so I felt pretty relieved at that moment. But, uh, but it's, a, it's real, it's, it's, a, it's a joy actually to be sharing and sharing God's word, it's a privilege. And I thank God for giving this opportunity. I hope uh, that what I have, uh, what he's laid on my heart this morning, will speak to you and also convey uh, what God has for you and for me as well. So, um, just diving in, I'm just going just gonna to pray quickly and then we'll get into the word of God. Lord, we thank you for uh, this nation. We thank you, Lord God, that we can serve you in this nation. We thank you for the privilege, uh, the freedom we have. And we thank you, Lord God, that we celebrated uh, 73 years of independence, Lord God. We uh, want to pray even more for our nation, Lord God, that we would see freedom uh, across this land. We thank you, Lord, for that. We also pray for this word that I'm about to bring, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, it would touch our hearts. Would it speak to us? Would we be able to take something home and be blessed uh, in a way that, Lord God, changes us and the way we live even more each day? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. While I was seeking uh, the Lord and seeing what I need to prepare on, uh, I felt Him lead me to a passage that we're quite, kind of familiar with. Many of us know the passage. Um, if, uh, if you've heard it before, it's a passage from uh, Luke. So I'm going to be sharing from Luke 5. And uh, if you want to open your Bible, you can open up to Luke 5, chapter, verse 1, uh, 1 to 11. And um, really what I want to bring out today is something fresh, hopefully from this passage. And I'll, I'll read the passage and then I'll come into what I want to share. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will lay down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For, all, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. 
And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. We often hear this passage uh, and the, the, the one that is spoken about quite often is Jesus telling Peter in verse 10, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And that's something that really stands out. Instead of fishing uh, in, the, in the lake, God is saying, now we'll fish for people. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on another passage, actually, from this, uh, from this chapter, from this verse. And it's going to be in somewhere around 8, where Simon Peter says, he fell, at his knees, uh, fell on his knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Um, what I wanted to actually share on is going to be something that is a familiar topic to all of us. And it is called the grace of God. And we often hear God's, about God's grace in our lives. Uh, it's how he saved us from uh, punishment of hell. He gave us a new life. He drew, drew us out of the judgment that we were due for. Because we are all sinners. Uh, we were sinners. And we uh, are drawn out from that. God has brought us and he's given us a new life. And that's what he's really uh, done for us through his grace. And so I'm going to talk a bit on the grace of God. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, follow me and uh, get an idea of where I'm going with it um, in terms of what my take-home point is. So um, the background is that I'll just go through the verses slightly. Um, Jesus' ministry is just kicking off. He's just starting out his ministry. He's in a couple of chapters before he's done some miracles. He's healed a few people. Uh, he was baptized. And he's just starting off. He's early into his ministry and he's just getting around. And so it says he's just come to, Nazar- uh, to Gennesaret. And there were people crowding around him because people came to know that he was doing mighty works. The word got around. And then he saw at the water's edge two boats. He gets into one of them, Simon, uh, Simon's boat, and he gets on uh, and he starts preaching from there. Uh, when we think of... Um, uh, some of the words we receive today, if, if we watch it on YouTube or we watch it uh, eh, wherever we are, uh, we see that uh, preachers and the, the fancy and the stages and the lights, is quite, it's quite um, overwhelming if you look at it. And uh, there's such big crowds, there's so many things, the stage, the lights, the sound. And uh, if you think of Jesus, he was on a boat, so he was pretty uh, innovative himself. He got on a boat. I don't think any preacher I've seen done that yet gets on a port from the water and he preaches out to the people. So that was very innovative at, at his time. Jesus was very uh, ahead in his thinking. And so he gets onto the boat, he preaches. When he had finished speaking, Simon put down his nets. Uh, he goes into the water and he gets up for a catch. Now Simon says to Jesus, Master, I've worked all h- hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Now, if I was uh, Simon, I would think for a second, I, who's the fisherman here? I'm, I'm the fisherman or you? Because Jesus was a carpenter, and uh, they kind of all knew that. And so he's, he's like, he, he, he doesn't do that, but uh, Peter doesn't do that because he knew that he was some, Jesus was some important person. He knew that the words that he spoke were, had depth in it. So Simon doesn't do that, but he is, he is quite a, a person who is capable of uh, getting ahead of himself, 
Simon Peter, he later, you know, he cuts off the ear. Uh, so he was very impulsive in his nature. But he says, God, because Jesus, because you say so, I will let down my nets. And he lets down his nets in verse 4. In verse five, 6 to 7, he says, they caught such a large number of fish and they signaled the other boats. And uh, God uh, basically just rewarded his obedience because he, he obeyed there. Uh, Jesus gives Peter such a big catch, so much more that they had ever thought and they couldn't even handle it in two boats. And then when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And that's something a little bit weird here because if you get something so good in a boat and you get such a big catch, you wouldn't say, Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. But Peter says that and uh, he says, Go away from me, Lord. I, I don't know what he's getting at, but he, he knows that he's in a sinful place that Jesus is in his boat. He kind of realizes that. And so he says, go away from the Lord, I'm a sinful man. And um, I'm going to stress on this point a bit for today, but if you uh, follow the next couple of points, uh, John and James were there, and they also became uh, disciples of Jesus. And then there's uh, Jesus where he says, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be fishing for people. And then they pulled their boats, left everything, and went and followed him. When I was talking about the earlier passage, uh, earlier scripture in verse 8, where um, uh, Simon comes to God and Jesus and he says, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Because of his catch, because of the fish, uh, the amount of things he got in that one, I mean, it would have lasted him another couple of, I don't know, days maybe. The catch was so big that he wouldn't have to work for another two, three days, I'm guessing. I don't know uh, how how often they fished, but I would think if you're in that place, if you see a miracle of God in your life, obviously you would say, Lord, come near me. Come be with me all the time because whatever I do, I can see your hand of provision or blessings. He was blessed so much that he would say, Lord, come near me. Be with me all the time. Go, come with me to my office. Come with me to my boat. Whenever I fish, be with me at all times. But here Simon says, so clearly he says in verse 8, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He was brought to that place of realization that he was sinful. Now, how did that happen? Because uh, if you see a miracle, like I said, you would want God to come near you. Many times we would come to that place of seeing miracles in our lives. And even the people we pray for, I often wrestled with this thing of, you know, when I'm praying for someone in a, in, and I'm expecting healing or a miracle for them, I often wrestle with the thing, will they really come to Christ? This is for me, Just I'm just letting it out there, this is just my thing. Will they really come to Christ through this? And um, people do come to Christ, obviously you would know, people often, if you're here in that place, you've seen a miracle or you've seen God uh, bless you in some way, you've seen God uh, 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 provide for you in some way, you would know that you're in this place because of that. But if, if you're there, what happens after that? Because then you just get stuck in a place of expecting God to keep meeting with your needs, keep meeting with my uh, provisions, keep meeting and blessing me, Lord. But really, what happens is Peter takes his walk deeper. He knows beyond the provisions, beyond the miracle of grace, God, you are holy. He bring, he's in that place where he's saying, God... I'm, I'm with a God right now. So God has met with my need, 
but I'm in a boat with Jesus, the Messiah who has promised to come and he has blessed me. So even if you're in that place where you've been uh, coming to Christ and you've expecting miracles after miracles or expecting God to just meet with your needs, it's time to take it a bit deeper with God and say, Lord, you are holy. You are a God and I honor you and I come to you because of that. Not because of what I get on a daily basis. Though you give me so much, I come to you because you are holy, you are God and I want to worship you. So my first point, this is how it probably would have looked, but my first point would be that miracles should lead to maturity. So when we are in a place of seeing miracles in our lives and we all see it each and every day, each and every moment we breathe, it should lead us back to God saying, Lord, you are provider. But before, before that, I am a repentant person. I'm a sinner. You are a holy God. I need to come back to you in a manner that is worthy of you. Yes, I have fallen short in my past. I have fallen short. You know my history. You know where I came from. And Lord God, I'm now in that place of saying, I want to repent. I want to take my walk deeper with you. I just don't want to expect miracles after miracles, though I will see them, but that's not the focus. I want to be growing more and more closer to you uh, in my day-to-day walk. So miracles should lead us to maturity in our walk with God. My second point was whether Simon literally meant what he said. When you see in verse 8, Simon says, Go away, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Did he really mean that? Did he mean, go away? Like, literally, was he saying to Jesus, you're in my boat, go away. And my second point would be, do we say depart? Depart uh, is another way of uh, the translations put it. Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Are we saying depart in the way we live, in the way we act, in the way we live our day-to-day lives, are we literally saying, God, I want to continue in my sin. Depart from me. Lord, I'm, I can't get rid of the sin. I can't get out of the sin. Depart from me. Go away from me, Lord. Did Peter mean that? I don't think he meant that. Jesus knew deeper. He knew his actual heart and he knew that he was repentant. But uh, we, could, we could be in that place where we're saying, God, I want to continue in this. Don't let me, don't, don't stop me now. Don't, uh, don't come to cleanse me now, but get away from me. Do we literally say, depart from me, Lord? When we continue uh, in our sinful ways, when we knowingly continue in our sinful ways, when we nurture and feed that sin, when we continue to let that sin grow, we are unintentionally saying, depart from me or go away from me, Lord. I uh, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Do we grieve or suppress or quench the power of the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit is within us. And if we continue to live our lives in a sinful way, saying, God, unintentionally, I want you to get away and get out of my life, because that's what we can often do. We can get into a place of saying, Lord, depart from me. The closeness, I think, here got Peter a bit awkward. He was um, very close. He realized this is Jesus in the same boat where he was. He realized, he knew the scripture, probably all of it. And he knew that a messianic king was supposed to come and Jesus was in that boat. Uh, he, he knew that he was near a holy God. And uh, 
it's also in the scripture of um, Isaiah where uh, Isaiah is uh, taken into a vision where he sees a holy God and he says, Woe to me, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. And uh, Isaiah is in that place where he realizes I'm sitting or I'm standing in, a, in the presence of a holy God. And that's what happened to Peter. I think he, was, he realized he's in the presence of a holy God. And how much more should we be aware that the Holy Spirit is in our lives and we are in the presence of a holy God? How can we continue in that sin or continue to let that sin grow in nature or let it rise in nature? Um, so Jesus was there to cleanse him from that. Even the best men and women are sinful. And we should be ready upon all occasions to own it. To own it especially to Jesus Christ, the one who came to sacrifice all for us. We would find that anyone would suggest to God, Lord, you're so holy, you're so worthy. Often sometimes we could say, you, sh- you deserve much better. But he comes down to our humility, to our level, and he comes to save us. Indeed, he is a holy and worthy God, yet he comes to dwell amongst us. And so much more should we be aware and say, Lord God, you are holy and I need to turn away from this sin. Properly understood, grace does not lead to the tolerance of sin, but instead it leads us to the fear of God and to turning away from sin. You know, it says there in Psalms 130 and Titus 2, 4, uh, 2, 11 to 14, this is what it says. Grace does not lead to the tolerance of sin, but to the fear of God and to turning away from sin. Um, John Newton, we all know the song Amazing Grace. I think it's a very familiar song with, um, with Christians, especially when we talk about where God brought us out and through His amazing grace. And in uh, one of the verses in the lines... It says, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. And you would think, grace is so comfortable for us, for, for me as, especially, I, I would say. I would think, grace is such a blessing. You know, I don't have to do much. It is so comfy. I love living in grace. But yet, John Newton says, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. Fear what? Fear the Lord. And... Um, I think what he meant was fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord is different from how we would often put it. Fear of the Lord means in reverence or in worthiness or in worship. We need to fear him in that sense. We don't have to fear God out of uh, being punished or judgment upon us. But really, we have to fear him in in an act of reverence or awe that he is indeed a worthy God. So it was grace really that teaches us to fear God. In, in a way like that. Uh, in, uh, in a way, the, so- uh, the song sings, it was amazing grace that taught my heart to fear. John Newton was, um, he was a slave trader and he kind of wrote this song, I think, when Jesus met with him uh, during his journey in life. And uh, it was amazing for, for him to see that change, how wretched he was, how uh, bad he was in his sinful past and then God brought him back. And that, he said was the grace of God that changed his life. Fearing God means having such reverence for him that it has a great impact on the way we live our lives. To understand that God is a holy God and sin is painful to him. It's also uh, 
different because of one man's when we come to god and the nearest of god is getting awkward for us it's difficult because sometimes we could say god i'm so sinful i've got so much of things uh, on me i've got so much of baggage i've got i've done so many things in the past john newton was like that he probably must have had too much of baggage uh, to come to jesus so he would tell god depart from me you would say to god i'm too unworthy of your righteousness yet god gives us his grace and at the same time some people come back to god saying here's what you have done for me lord jesus you have done this i had so much of baggage yet you saved me and that is why i'm living in your grace so one man's sake of coming not not coming close to god is actually the reason why many people come to god and that we should see as his amazing grace it's a strange thing that um, uh, david prays in the psalms he says god for your for your name's sake lord forgive my iniquity though it is great what he's saying is he's saying here's a whole load of sin lord jesus uh, lord god and i'm bringing it back to you here's a whole bunch of sin and i'm bringing it back to you for the sake of your name forgive my iniquity though it is great here's a mountain load of sin i'm bringing it back to you and let your grace come upon it that's how we should come to god and don't really say depart from me lord because do we really say depart from me lord i want to ask another um, point is that god's grace is above man's grace um sometimes we can misunderstand the way grace is um it is a common thing that happens to all of us the grace of god is showered upon us but we can misunderstand how uh, grace is represented how god sees grace and so i when i was uh, getting into the church and i joined the church i served as a personal assistant to vinu and so i would do his work for him uh, book his tickets or flights or anything like that so i did uh, book his initial flights and uh, at one point um, i booked this ticket and uh, he was supposed to travel i think the next month and um, i booked it say it was june and july i booked his flight for june but he was supposed to travel in july and so i made a mistake and i realized it and then i uh, called the agent we couldn't do anything we couldn't get any money back because nowadays uh, if you <laughs> if you book a ticket you won't get back anything i mean you your flight is gone you might as well just let it go book another ticket don't worry about a refund so i did that i saw that and i uh, i made a mistake and i called up i had to explain it to someone who was uh, giving the sanction on the finance i had to pay it off so it was about 10000 maybe i think so i realized this is a big, big mistake so i told him i explained to that person uh, the finance guy at the time i said i made a mistake you know so uh, we have to book another ticket for vinu so it will cost us another 10000 and um, so he said that's okay it happens to us and he was very gracious to me and he said it's okay it happens to all of us um, so you get on with booking the other ticket we'll sanction the next 10000 for that and so i felt very relieved at that moment because it wasn't on me to uh, one pay pay the actual uh, uh, the cost of that so i felt very relieved and i felt very blessed with his grace upon me and i felt the same we all experienced the same and we would often show the next person grace because of that because i was shown grace i would show the next person grace so if someone were to tell me they made a mistake they booked a couple of tickets in the wrong uh, date so something like that i would say that's okay there is grace for that so it happens to all of us so you can go ahead and book the next ticket 
But God, God's grace is a bit different from our grace. Because I was shown grace, it's easy for me to show grace to someone else. But God, no one showed him grace. And no one was there at the start to show him grace. For him to invent grace or to found, he was the founder of grace indeed. Because no one said, God, uh, you made a mistake because all his ways are perfect. He never makes mistakes. And no one really showed him the way to grace and be grace, gracious to him and to show him how to uh, live in a gracious way to us. Yet, he, he knows our mistakes. He knows the guilt we live in and he shows us grace. I think grace is experienced when we are guilty. But God's grace is different because his grace is above our grace. His, his grace is not like man's grace. So when we have a gracious parent or a gracious boss, we, we think of repeating that same on. But God's grace is beyond that. And that's uh, something that is very beneficial for us. Um, I think um, we still struggle in many situations to show grace. Uh, in our day-to-day lives. Uh, we get angry with people, with our loved ones, with our colleagues. We don't always get it right. And uh, we, don't, we always don't have to show grace to all of them. And we think maybe they should repent or they should uh, you know, grow in their work or their job. They should learn their lesson. But really, we have to grow in our showing grace to others as well. God was teaching me grace uh, in my marriage as well. Um, so let me just explain before you have any weird ideas. Uh, God was uh, uh, giving me um, a moment, I think, uh, when this, I was thinking about this, it came back to me. Uh, I was, uh, growing up, I never liked fish. And uh, I hated the smell of it. I even, I couldn't eat it, I couldn't digest it. I still can't, um, but I try to. But uh, growing up, I never liked grace, so my, uh, I mean fish, so this is like, not grace. Grace is always welcome. So <laughs> I never liked fish, but God helped me uh, with that. And I, I got married to a girl who's Mangalorean. So when I was getting married, I used to go to a house uh, during our engagement period. And uh, the house was smelling of fish. And uh, God was teaching me grace through that as well. Indeed, he teaches us. And I want to be more like Jesus uh, every day because Jesus also loved fish. If you know uh, what I mean. He ate fish daily. In fact, he broke bread and fish with uh, Peter later on when, uh, when they meet again. So Jesus loves fish and he loves to give us grace as well. Um, grace empowers us as well. And empowers us to uh, sin no more. Empowers us to uh, lead ourselves away from sin. When I was uh, preparing this, I was thinking, what's we often hear God? Uh, the scriptures speak about mercy and grace, God's kindness and grace, His mercy and grace. He, uh, in fact, Jillian um, uh, uh, read it out actually this morning. Um, the mercy and grace of God. We, we heard it in Moses's, uh, Moses, God passed over Moses, and uh, we heard about his mercy. But if I had to ask you, how do you define the difference between mercy and grace? Or where does it end for mercy, and where is grace? How does it fit? It's sort of like together, isn't it? It comes together when we, when we say, oh, God is merciful and gracious to me. 
And uh, I tried to illustrate it with a PowerPoint. And um, in mercy, in God's mercy, basically this is hell. And we are destined for hell. And uh, in his mercy, he does not give us what we deserve, which is hell. We de he, does, he does not give us our punishments or what we deserve. But in his grace, he gives, that's heaven, by the way, yes. That's heaven. In his grace, he gives us mercy and grace and heaven is in store. So he gives us eternal life, which is something else. It's a next level. Yes, he shows us mercy by not giving us what our punishments deserve. But on top of that, he's, he's giving us grace. He's offering us something beyond what our punishments deserve. And um, um, I was just thinking, if God had to stop at mercy itself, I would have been happy. God, thank you that you're not giving me what my sins deserve, what my attitude is, what my life is like. But you've given me on top of that, you've given me grace. How much more thankful would should we be and responsible should we be and, and how much more um, uh, in an act of worship should we be when God gives us what we don't deserve? He gives us above that. And um, we are undone, though, if we did not have a mediator in between. And Jesus is that on the cross. He was the mediator between us and a holy God. He brings us to that place where we can come to God in a, in a worthy manner because God is holy and we need to be in his presence. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending his kindness to the unworthy. I kind of thought of this illustration, so stick with me if you can on this one. It's a bit tricky. It made sense in my head, um, this illustration, but I'll try and explain it as best I can. Um, when uh, you've often heard of this policy nowadays in, uh, in companies, they'll give you the option to work from home, and you get a certain amount of days in the month or something to work from home. So people take that option. Why? Because they like it. What happens when you actually work from home? Do you actually end up working or you just be lazy and sloppy and get up and... I don't know. That's, we won't do that because we're Christians. The others, <laughs> the, the others might do it, but not us. So when we take this work from home policy, I'm, I'm just using the... I'm not saying it's wrong to take work from home. Please don't get me wrong. It's totally fine. But we could get out in our pajamas and sit with a computer and uh, just start getting on to work. When we were traveling, uh, Alvi and I were traveling in April. We got to see my uncle in Canada. And uh, my uh, cousin told me he's going to be, we were staying in my uncle's house. And he said, you got to see how this guy works from home. How he actually works. He's taking work from home because you all are staying in his house. So he's going to be working from home. So I said, okay, yeah, cool. So the next morning, Alvin, uh, Alvi and I get up and we come downstairs and he's in his uniform. He, he wears the uniform to office. He's dressed up in his uniform, but he's going to be working from home. And he's dressed up in his uniform. He's busy packing his stiffen to be sitting at his office t desk in, the, in his home itself. And he was busy packing his stiffen. He was so uh, routine in his nature that he packed his stiffen, put in his bag, he sat at the table, the dining table, and he was working on his computer with his headphones on, with his, uh, um, his mic, and he was plugged into the computer. He was getting on his call. And then he, lunchtime, he takes out his stiffen from his bag and he eats it and all that. But that was, so I thought to myself, wow, this guy really respects his job 
he honors God through his job. That's in one sense he does honor uh, his uh, God. Uh, he's a Christian, and he order he honors man as well, his workplace. But I just thought um, maybe that's we we kind of think the freedom of of working from home or the grace that we get from companies from working from home is somewhat like the law and the grace uh, which we experience in the Bible. So earlier, when the Israelites were under the law, they had to follow all these commands and these rules and these orders. And it was so meticulous. So if they had to go, they sinned, they would have to go to a church, the temple at the time, and then they'll offer a sacrifice. There were so many things to be done. And then yet God gives them, now gives us grace, and he calls us unto grace, where we don't have to go off into a temple or something or offer a sacrifice but he's given us so much of freedom. He's saying, you do wherever you are. You work from home, basically. But how much responsible, how responsible are we in working from home? In, uh, sorry, not in working from home, but in, in being uh, uh, receptive of that grace and that freedom he extends to us. So when we are in our home, are we really being responsible in what we see, in what we listen to, in what we uh, do our actions are we really knowing that God is watching us and He is keeping a tab on our time? And not in, a, not in the wrong sense, not in the fearful sense, but God knows our hearts and should, shouldn't we be more respectable and honorable of that? Should we not show Him that indeed we treasure His love and His mercy upon us, His grace upon us? And because of that place, we should say, God, I want to do you good. I want to be honoring to you. And lastly, I believe... God leads us home. Grace will give us, uh, God's grace will lead us home. Repentance is key from the passage I've shared where Peter suddenly realizes he's a sinful man sitting in a boat with the God uh, of the universe. And the same is with us. We have God in our, in our beings. We have God as uh, the Holy Spirit in our, the temple of the Holy Spirit in us. And the same should be with us. Re- recently, I, we've uh, seen a trend of things where people say that, yes, God knows our past, present, future sins, and uh, there's no re- need to repent again, because I've done it once, and that I've been saved by that. And then if you commit another sin uh, in the future, God already knows that. And I found this kind of an edgy doctrine because I feel it's not really how the Bible portrays uh, how we should come to him in repentance. Yes, repentance is one for all for salvation. That's when we come to him and say, God, I was a sinner. I'm repenting and now I'm coming back to you. But repentance can also be an ongoing process when we fall short in our day-to-day basis. I don't know how many times, sometimes I can count how many times I fell short in the day. Maybe I got angry with someone. Maybe I said something I shouldn't have, maybe I watched something, and I've sinned. And I know God knew all that, but yet I need to be in an act of saying, God, I want to repent even today. I want to be changed from that. I want to live no longer in that sin. Forgive me for it. And I think God, uh, Jesus teaches us that in the, day, in, the, in the Our Father. He says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. This is a, this is a big topic, but I'm just going to run through that. It is a daily act. It is something we can always do. It need not be just a once and for all thing, but we can always come back to Jesus. Because of sin, man attempts to approach God um, in a way that 
he feels this grace is too much for me i need to do something that i can honor god with and uh, we would think that i need to put some more tithes because his grace is so good for me it's too much to handle i need to do something more i need to bless someone i need to give for this work i need to do that but really jesus is god's sin for us is kindness that leads us to repentance is not repentance that leads god to be kind for us he's he's kind already to us god's grace is already sufficient for us that should lead us to repent and say lord i'm a sinful man or a woman not that you after i repent lord god you will be kind to me so god's kindness leads us to repentance not our repentance that leads god to be kind in romans 2 it says or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that kindness leads you to repentance indeed god is kind to us how much more should we be thankful and uh, and and honor his uh, his grace towards us see peter after he was um he had first met christ in the boat where he said um i depart from me lord go away from me lord i'm a sinful man and he met him there that was a once and for all change for him because in the scriptures it says in john when he came back after all that happened happened he had been through so much with jesus he had walked with jesus all this while in his ministry and jesus dies and he rises again but peter somehow did not believe that jesus would rise again i don't know what it was he went back to fishing and in john it says john 21 then the disciples went back to fishing and um, they were sitting in the boat and they put in their nets again they put it into the deep again jesus was in there at the time they put it back and they got nothing it says they caught nothing at that time and then jesus comes up on the shore and he says friends have you all tried putting your nets onto the other side so peter obeys and he puts his nets onto the other side and that at that moment he catches another big catch of fish and uh, at that moment peter realizes this is jesus it says in uh, john 21 verse 7 then the disciples whom jesus loved said peter it is the lord as soon as simon peter simon peter heard him he said it is the lord he wrapped his outer garments and he jumped in the water and he ran to jesus who was on the show so grace when jesus shows us the grace when he god showers this grace upon us it should actually lead us to him not away from him and that's what peter did he ran the second time he knew it was jesus he ran out of the out of the boat he jumped off into the water and he ran to jesus let us come to him today as well when we suffer when we deal with our sins when we are struggling in it we need to run to jesus and say god help me get out of this god help me change my ways in titus i'm just going to end with this but in titus 2 verse 11 um, to 14 it says for the grace of god has appeared that offers salvation to all people it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope and the appearance of our lord and savior jesus christ uh, he who gave himself up for us 
to redeem us from all the wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The grace of God has come and appeared to all people and offers salvation and it teaches us to say no to the ungodliness, the worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. Let us live in the grace of God which leads us to repentance. Amen. So I'm just going to pray. This is another aspect of God's grace. There are so many things that he's done for us in his grace. But honestly, I felt blessed when I heard that God's grace leads us to repentance. And I, I realized that it is not a tolerance of sin. It is not God saying, I tolerate your sin. I cover your skin, uh, your sin. But actually leads us to the fear of God. And it turns us away from sin back to him, leads us into repentances. Amen. So I'm just going to pray. And if you feel uh, that you're in that place where you're saying, God, I need you in my walk. I need your grace to be ever so powerful that it changes me from the way I live my sins, or from the way I live my life, to not going back to sin, to doing away with anything I deal with right now at this moment. So if that's you, I'm just going to leave uh, just a moment for you to just stand up and just honor God this morning saying, I'm not going back and I want to be set free. I want to live a life where I honor you and your grace upon me. So just, if if that's you, I'm going to just allow you to just stand up at this moment and then we just pray. Lord God, we thank you that indeed, like Peter, Lord God, we realize we are sinful, but we don't want to live in that sin any longer. We want to come running to you. You who took on our sin on that cross, who canceled the power of sin, and we pray, Lord God, that we would be ever growing and being ever more made like Christ, one who was without sin, who died upon that cross, who took it all. Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to be more and more like you each and every day. Lord God, that your grace, that you showered upon us, your kindness, that we didn't deserve, yet you gave us. And each and every moment we breathe, we experience your grace. And for that, Lord God, we want to say we can't live any longer the way we live in sin or, Lord God, in the nature of the world. But, Lord God, we want to be set free from that to live a life that honors you and glorifies you in everything we do, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for our friends and our brothers and sisters, each one of us who stand to say, Lord God, we want to turn and never give in to what the worldly pleasures are, but we want to turn and grow and grow in your grace that is showered upon us. Bless you, Lord God. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen.